0: Welcome to Processing Severance, an after-show podcast brought to you by the Hollywood Critics Association. I'm your host, Rasha Goel, and joining me today for this after-show are my wonderful co-hosts, Rick Hong and Jeff Ewing. So how are we feeling, guys? Are we excited to talk about this show or what?
1: You know, can you imagine if we opened this show, like, they opened that show and had just, like, somebody, like, sprawled out on the table? (laughs) That's how excited I am. All
0: right. That opening
2: sequence, I was like, whoa.
0: Yes, and we're going to talk about that. How about you, Jeff? Uh, I
2: I love it. I I, I love a good high-concept series, and uh, especially one with a really good cold open. And, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to the, about this show to you guys. So for all of you that are watching, I do want to remind you, we are going to be talking about episodes one and two today. And this is an after show, which means that we are going to be breaking down the show. And there may be some spoilers. So if you haven't seen the show yet, you may want to come back and visit our after show because we don't want to ruin anything for you. So thanks again for joining us. A real quick synopsis about this show. It is set at Lumen Industries, where basically employees... They received this severance program that surgically removes their memories from their workplace and their personal life. So basically, once you leave work, you have no memories of it. And once you leave your home, you have no memories of it. Quite a fascinating concept. So let me ask my co-host, starting with you, Jeff, uh, what did you think about the show? What was your first impression?
2: I enjoyed, one of my first impressions uh, was I really enjoyed the aesthetic of the show. Because w- once they're inside, you know, lumen doors, it has this really sort of brutalist punk thought experiment vibe that I find very interesting. And I think it models, uh, it, it reflects the modelization of, of the, what they're trying to, to explore conceptually. And I, I find that very exciting.
0: And how about you, Rick?
1: You know, it's like I was saying earlier. It's like just like that opening shot, but and don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by like that thumbnail because you see a very depressing looking Adam Scott in that thumbnail when you're on the Apple TV Plus, and you're like, "Do I want to click on that or not?" And so I actually stayed off of it for a while. But when I clicked, started watching that first scene, I was like sucked in because it's very much you know where you have the character and like character has no idea where they're going, like what's going on. You know, like it's, it's like that's that's intriguing already, just to trap you as a viewer to say. I want to keep watching. I don't want to switch the channel.
0: Yeah, well, and you know, talking about the stars, let me just mention real quick, Adam Scott stars in this with Pat- uh, Patricia Arquette, Britt Lower, a full star-studded cast. Let's talk about this first opening scene because I feel that it definitely leaves an impression for any viewer that's watching it. So you see Britt, who's just kind of sprawled on this conference table in this very dry-looking conference room, um, and then she hears like the voice of God almost, and you're just like, what is going on trying to decipher what's happening to her character Helly right
1: yep well what I like too is like the the name of the episode is good news about hell you know, and then she's hell And of course, that would be a hellish situation to be woken up in a room and have no idea what's going on, you know, where you're at or anything, and, right, and the door's closed.
0: You can't even get out. You can't yeah. even open the door. It's locked.
1: Because I think the even basic human instinct is, okay, number one, it's like, where am I? And then it's like, okay, well, let me go find something. So, right, when the door's, like, locked, then all of a sudden you're like, mm-hmm. now I'm trapped. It's like being in an elevator that, you know, just kaputzes out.
0: Yep, I'm with you on that. Jeff, what stood out for you in this scene?
2: Well, I thought it was interesting because you're right; it's a very hellish situation environment, but it also looks—I mean, not that dissimilar from the space uh, in the sense. That it, it, it,
0: I'm glad we weren't found on this table. Absolutely like that.
2: not! Absolutely not! Because it's so interesting because it's the type of room where you're going to find it in any sort of corporate complex in America that is transformed for very mysterious, nefarious purposes. So I was very curious what was actually going on and obviously very worried for Heli. Yeah,
0: me too. And I, I'm glad you brought up that word cor- corporate because definitely this show revolves around the corporate culture, right? And our programming and, and the way we just constantly live these monotonous life going to these companies and giving basically our life to these companies what does it mean at the end of it all so i was also taken guys by the colors and the aesthetics like we were talking about earlier just very you see a lot of white you've got that green uh, carpet not a lot of color usage even within what the characters are all wearing too right just very dull so it's interesting how that all kind of plays Uh, into the show, the theme, and the characters. And in this show, Rick, tell us what's happening in episode one, because I feel like it's kind of an intro to the characters, right?
1: Right. We're like, well, we're put in this situation, and then you need to follow somebody. There's always, like, in a show, you need a protagonist or kind of... And so what I kind of, like, look at this first episode is that Adam Scott, the Mark character, is a little bit like Dorothy in Oz, you know? So, like, (laughs) like, that's a person you want to at least follow. That's a person you want to root, hopefully root for, you know, to, like, keep you you know, in the game of the show. Otherwise, if you don't have anybody to root for, then you're going to change the channel. And this, you definitely want to root for him and you want to see what is this guy's journey. And so, like, that's kind of the first episode is, you know, just kind of following him around, seeing what he's about and the situation of severance.
0: And we do learn through this that he's a manager and he's helping recruit these other employees for the severance program. There's three other employees and they're bringing a new one on. We've got the supervisor played by Patricia Arquette. So I think we're learning more of the dynamics uh, between each of these characters, right, and what they do. But we don't know, we don't really get their full backstory, just a little.
2: Yeah, it, you you really learn a lot as, as it goes along. But for the first episode, it's mostly just building mysteries. You can see that that Mark is very visibly different as an Audi than he is when he's inside company walls. He's the first character you actually really get that window into his his uh, outside the world, the, the corporate world, personal life for. So uh, it's mostly for the first one, just kind of a, a you know I said it before, a cold open where you're kind of experiencing it through his eyes as he's put in this new position. So there's a lot of unfamiliar territory.
0: You know, when they first mentioned those words, innie and outie, it, it took me a while uh-huh. to get that. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what are they referring to? So it's like their personal life is the innie and the outie, right? No, the outie getting What, well, I'm there. sorry, the Audi. See, I'm already getting it confused.
1: Because <laughs> right. you're, you're thinking of belly buns. We're all yeah. thinking, because like, like, when yes! we refer to innie and Audi, we're thinking of belly buns. Come on, let's be honest, like, people. can't be
2: official. Right? <laughs> right. It's very official. It's a a corporate dystopia. Of course, Audi is the official term for your your at-home self. There's no such thing as an Audi. They're all annies. Come on. They're all innies,
0: right. So we do learn, though, in the process that Mark, played by Adam Scott, he is actually escaping from the death of his wife, right? So it's almost he's partaking in this program because he doesn't want to deal with that. Now, I know that we were talking about one of the scenes that stood out for all three of us was the opening scene. But Rick, did you have a favorite moment in episode one?
1: Yes because because like I feel like it's almost like me like when Mark is going into Lumen and it's it's almost like a Mister Rogers scenario of like how he's like just changing into his work clothes, and then when he leaves, he's like changing into his like you know like, hey you know it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood you know like putting the shoes on and the sweaters so like I was just like hey that's me that's me but <laughs> like, this really? guy's going to a, a little bit when I come home yeah it's like I've got my, my you know like scenario of like if if I was going to a corporate culture or whatever but like that's but that's the way I felt like that's like when I was watching this I was like oh this is like Mister Rogers it's like this is his kind of when he's like you know like when he's the outside person. Is like him getting into the comfortable clothes, and then him going into work is him getting into like the the work clothes.
0: Nice. What about for you, Jeff?
2: I really like so after our introduction to Helly in this hellish room, uh, you know, we, we follow Mark for a little bit, and then it kind of uh, travels back in time. So he watched the process of of her being there from more his side, and then he goes into the room with her and is engaging with her more personally after the initial five questions and i love that scene because there's so much complicated tension because he's new in this role he's unfamiliar and it's going very poorly she's still frightened and he's not helping and so he's trying to nice guy it away while she's in panic mode and uh and he gets that fancy band-aid for it so i i just love how that scene goes because it's very very tense
0: it's almost like there was a little choreography to it, too. If you really watch it carefully, it's like this back and forth choreography. You know the scene that kind of stood out to me was the dinner scene um, when when he goes with his sister. And I think that scene stood out to me because I felt like we stepped out of this corporate world and we do get a slight inside look. But that conversation at dinner is just so awkward. And you could feel those tense moments. And I, I was just thinking, if I was there, how would I react or what would this moment be like? And just again, I was noticing the colors in the room and just the way it was lit. So so that really popped out. Mm-hmm. That popped out for me.
1: Well, it's simple. One's memories are bifurcated, so when you're not at work, you have no recollection of what it
2: is you do there. Did I get that right, Mark? Well it's-
1: So you it's- walk in at nine AM and then suddenly <clears throat> it's five.
2: And you're leaving. Well, they they stagger us a little. So then,
1: conversely, (laughs) when you're at work, you can't access outside memories. So, in effect, that version of you is trapped there. Well, Uh,
2: I mean, not trapped, uh, but... But what?
0: What do you guys think is going to happen next? I mean, how are things going to unfold? What would you like to see? Jeff, I'll start with you this time. Uh... One thing
2: that I really want to see is I want to see a little bit more, and we we can get into this when we're talking about episode two. Uh, I want to see a little more, bit more of Irving's backstory because we, um, and, and a lot of this is in the second episode, he's at face value from moment one, really by the book, addicted to rules, absolutely buys the, the, the corporate worship of the founder of, of Kier. And... But he's got something going on under the surface, and I really want to see what it is.
0: Yeah, I'm curious too.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of seen the dynamic because, like you know, like I said, like at that first episode, we've got
1: our pro- protagonist that we're following, which is Mark, and then then we've got the other people, like just like in the, you know the Wizard of Oz, you've got the Scarecrow, you've got the Tin Man, you've got the Lion. So now, right, we've got Irv. By John Turturro it was amazing. Love him. And, you know,
0: isn't he captivating on screen? I just have to say that, like, just the way he delivers his lines. He's, he's like, the there's guy. just something about him.
1: He's, you know, it's just like when you're watching The Big Lebowski. You know, yeah. just like him as like the the guy at the bowling alley. Just, oh yeah, like that yeah. character that he plays. It's like yeah, when you show when you see John Turturro show up, if he's not playing a cop like in a New York precinct, <laughs> yeah. then it's like you know you're gonna get some oddball character. And then then you also have uh, Zach Cherry, who's a uh, uh, who is Dylan. D- you know, he's another, like, strange guy, and he was, like, plays, like, some, like, awesome roles, and he was good in uh, Crashing. He was good mm-hmm. in, the, in, the TV show Crashing. So, like, just kind of just to see, like, the dynamic of, like, the other characters and interaction is, like, what I'm, like, looking forward to. Now that we kind of have our main guy that we want to root for.
0: Right. I, I'm curious to see how their friendship develops and evolves and really what their relationships kind of uh, become because they're they're stuck in this office building for like 8 hours a day and i am curious to see how that develops. What do we think about uh, Ben Stiller directing and, and being a part of this project? I mean, he di- he directed episode 1 and 2.
2: I mean, i i love i love sci- science fiction, i love horror, i love thrillers and i thought that he really pulled a lot of tension and a lot of unsettling you know subtleties out of the story. Uh, I think he had a real mastery of just creating this setting where everything looks like a place we could walk into, but for some reason that's a little bit hard to pin is, is just off in, in really nuanced ways.
1: So when we're talking about Ben Stiller and his directing, you know, in his early career, you know, there's like there's something about Mary. He was like a comedy guy. Like I think he first really started his directing career, like doing a spoof of being at a bowling alley and doing a spoof of like the color of money being Tom Cruise. You know, his version of it in this. I want to say it's his evolution of directing like that first shot from the table and then switching like out from Helly's room to you know, where where Mark and Irv are sitting and like doing that scenario of showing like one area, showing the other area. Plus if you take how Mark walks through the hallways, it's almost like a rat in a maze. There's, like, those white walls. It's, like, there's nothing distinct, and he's just, like, going around corners and everything. So, like, I look at this as an evolution of his filmmaking. It's a little being John Malkovich meets uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, a little Charlie Kaufman, a little Michelle Gondry. So I really appreciate that, like, even him as a filmmaker for this. Like, he's evolving. Like, I know how to do comedy, so I'm going to do a little, like, put my own little, like, M. Night Shyamalan on it, too.
0: So... (laughs) Well said, right? Yeah, and you know, it also made me wonder too, just the evolution of him in his personal life and in his career and kind of bringing that to this scenario and kind of sharing his personal experience and bringing that onto his um, filmmaking or his creative side. So I'm interested in seeing how this evolves. But you know, when I was watching the show, one thing that was going on in my head was I wonder what audiences... Are gonna make of this show? Like, how are people going to feel after watching the show? Because I feel like it's one of those shows you're either gonna like it or you're not. Like, you're either gonna get it or you're not. So, what do you think about this? What, what do you? Th- how do you think audiences are gonna feel or react to it?
1: Hey, if you, don't, if you don't get it, there's something wrong with you. That's what I said. <laughs> if you don't get it, there's you're something You're not an innie. Specific. You are not, <laughs> yeah, you are not looking for this is what I got to sit there and say. Like, in terms of the way you watch television, this is not something that you're looking for if you don't like it, which is mind-boggling to me because this is original. And this, you know, in this time of, like, reboots and remakes, like, this is something that's so original and refreshing. And, you know, and I think, like, in the any scenario of the office you, you all see like one of those players or something and, like i know that guy i know this guy like i know which character that i am and we can talk about that in a little bit
0: but. <laughs> all right i'm curious to hear rick
2: <laughs> i think this is a, I, I think you're so correct i uh, there's so much to like about it but i also think this is a particularly good time for a series like this to land with audiences because uh, i mean right now you have a lot of a labor market where a lot of workers are leaving in droves, leaving in bad jobs um, for greener pastures. A lot of people have had experiences with these bad sorts of jobs, these bad sorts of corporate environments, and it really speaks to that. In uh, you know, like like so much good sci-fi does, it takes something that is relatable and that is very prevalent and problematic in our society, and then it just makes you know a couple of harsher lines and a more critical end uh, edge, and then you know, presents it to us in a creative way. And so I think it touches on themes that are going to matter, that, that do matter to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I'm going to add to that and say that I think it's it's very relevant to what people are experiencing right now, whether where they are thinking about what is the quality of their life. Um, do they want to be spending more time with family and with their loved ones? And, and really, or are they, have they spent half their life dedicated to a company and where does that leave you at the end? Are we just these robots that wake up and do these eight to five monotonous jobs? So, and I think eight a to lot of five? or nine to nobody, six no, or nobody whatever. Nobody works eight to five. I know. I'm just AM, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh come on, corporate. There's the internet. There's email. <laughs> there's texting.
1: It's like you're, you're never right. free. So it's, you're never
0: done. Right? You're never free. Absolutely right. So I think it's a great time um, for people to really think about who they are, and this show presents it kind of in that awkward, comical, alternative reality thriller way, right? That makes you think so. Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. And I'm going to be curious to see what our viewers think after they watch the show. Um, we're about to wrap up on episode one and move into episode two. Any closing thoughts on episode one?
2: Uh, I, I remember when I, when I first watched it, I was very interested in what happens next. There are so many questions that it provokes that I found fascinating and it doesn't answer them at all up front. It's, it's just a series of mysteries that Mark has to uh, gradually unfold. And uh, so I, I think it's a very, very strong pilot. And I say this to someone that doesn't tend to like pilots very much. Uh, it's a great first episode. And, and I love that there's such an, uh, a unique world to explore.
1: I mean, and it ends in a really cool way because you see that you know Patricia Arquette, the the Peggy character at the office, mm. is also his neighbor.
2: <laughs> it's so nice. like,
1: awkward. What? What's yeah. going and, on there? Yeah, and like, and we <laughs> saw like in you know in the parking lot like with Helly and Mark, like they didn't know each other. So you're not supposed to know each other. All of a sudden, it's like, wait, you're oh, okay. So there's, that's even more intriguing. It's just not the dynamics of the outside world and the inside world. Now it's like, oh, there's there's a mixture, but the boss at or the, the person that that's he, the head of the table at work is also your neighbor
0: with kind of a different personality too Mm -hmm. it's a she's kind of spooky to me for some reason Mm -hmm. I'm like who are you you know (laughs) (laughs) I want to know who she is all right so that does it for episode one we're now going to move into episode two where I felt like there was a lot of development we're starting to see more with the characters uh, their nuances their triggers but a lot of different Many storylines with each individual and we're starting to understand them more so so much to talk about Where shall we start? I mean, I know I have my, some of my favorite moments But what stood out to you particularly in episode two?
1: I think it's the overall like what happens at lumen on a daily basis like what is their work? What is their function between each person's like job? What are, like? What's their motivation like what what are their tasks? And we kind of see that, you know mark comes in and he has like this this list and it's almost like he's, like, a, a janitor. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, that's his. Mr. That's Roger
0: like... meets <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a janitor. It's, it's, like,
1: I'm not knocking janitors or anything, but just the no. list is this kind of just, all the stuff in there. Fill up this, so. Well, he's a know, manager, like. though, right? Yeah, so, so it's, it's kind <laughs> of a weird. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a weird <laughs> list to have for a guy, like, in that position. And that's, and it's unexpected. Yep. You yeah. know, it's, like, unexpected to have, okay, there you go. So like, but that's so like the, I liked that aspect of kind of saying, okay, now we'll kind of unveil what happens, you know, in this office environment with these people initially.
2: Well, I think one one strength of of the series is that so you know there's relatable things to the setting, but it's also a very weird experience because none of us can truly relate to that firm cutoff they have of, of the separation between their work life and their home life, but we get to walk through it with basically two characters who are, are learning as they go because uh, Mark has been there but not in that role. And so he's learning a more managerial side of things. And then Heli is absolutely new as a human to the experience. And so we get to kind of have little windows into their psyche that make it, uh, I think, richer and a little more comprehensible than if we only had one character to be our eyes.
0: And it's almost like we're growing with them. So as they're kind of navigating on this journey, we are learning with them and and going along that process. But a lot of nuances happened in in this episode. You know, we had the melon party. uh, We had Heli definitely being triggered and kind of now she, I I thought she kind of accepted it. But then she goes into this mode of, well, no, I, I don't want this. I'm done. I want to get out of here. I'm going to attempt to get out of here. Um, And then we start seeing different things with the characters. So let's talk about the melon party and just really like how they're awarded for the different types of things that they do. I mean, it really reminds you of... That corporate culture that perhaps some of us have experienced in our life,
1: but see, here's the thing: it doesn't start with the corporate culture. This is where it starts, people. It starts with the Girl Scouts of America. Oh, you get these friends. girls to sell their boxes to, like, you know, hit their goals, and then they get like, I then was they get a the melancholy. Okay, yeah, don't see. even start. With that's me where it on starts. That. That's, where it starts. So that's what cookies. they're showing. Is like it's not just the corporate world as an adult. For the record,
2: like. folks at home, we are not besmirching the good name of no, the Girl Scouts no. or Thin no. Mints. But I think they're on yes, sale we're all right now fun too. Here. I think they're on sale right now too. But but that's yeah. what I'm saying, but it's like I that it's that
1: whole bumps. you know if you set some goals then you get like these weird things and in an every like there's certain as kids like you'll you'll love anything. You'll love any little goal that you can hit because that's what we're supposed to like do is like set goals and achieve them. As adults you know, it's more just like can't you just boost up my salary? I don't care about this like melon party, this waffle party. I don't care about But Rick,
0: they're excited about that. Like are well, actually looking the, at the caricature and right. well, you're yeah, looking at her, the eraser and I mean all Dylan the things Dylan things that Dylan's Dyl well because
1: Dylan Dylan was intrigued, you know. Right. He's he was intrigued to sit there and say, like, well if I do this, then like what do I get? Oh, this is what I get. You <laughs> know, if I do this, what do I get? So one hundred percent is tier five. That gets you a caricature
2: portrait. Hmm. You'll note I've accrued an embarrassment of wealth in that regard. Wow. Correct. Each one of these finished file in the can.
0: So that's the highest award?
1: Percentage wise, yes. But if we hit our numbers by quarter's end, one of us gets named refiner of the quarter, and that shit gets you a waffle party.
0: I'm sorry, a waffle
1: party? Okay, hazards on eager lemur. I'm a deadlock for that this quarter, so uh, don't get your hopes up.
2: The interesting thing is that every. Uh, almost every office has that person or those people who are re- they really buy into the corporate culture. They really love those little uh, the melon parties, the little gimmicky uh, caricatures and finger cuffs and erasers for some reason. And then he was so uh, Dylan was so miffed that uh, Mark had a special thing like that's just a thing they gave him. Like he was so there was such a little black weird well, black the jealousy with his face. though, yeah. right?
0: There's a little bit of jealousy happening it. there. Yep. Yeah, And I thought what was so interesting in this episode, too, was just Irving and how particular he was about the protocols and following the manual. And I I think the whole thing with that photograph that happened, you know, so we've got Mark who removes this photograph because Petey, who we're going to talk about in just a second, is in the pictures and it made him feel a little bit emotional. So he removes them, but apparently there's a protocol to removing pictures from a desk and Irving is just really upset about it and just... That scene to me was just hilarious, the way the entire thing transferred.
2: Absolutely, because uh, Irving was so wedded to things being done by the book that he actually <laughs> printed out, like, the, the, the casual slide across the table, like, actually, just just so you know. And uh, I think it's also interesting, too, that Milchek found it such an in- infractable uh, offense, you know, as it, such a small thing.
0: He plays by the rules. Yeah, I mean,
1: like Irving. is like that guy. Every office has some version of like the, yeah, like, and, that's, and that's the guy that you're just like, oh, dude, I can't stand that guy. And then you got Milicek, and Milicek's the kind of the version of, he's he's a little bit like human resources. He's a little he is bit like, human resources, you know, it's I like he, he's a little <laughs> bit human resources where it's just like, okay, I'm going to come in and like, oh, you know, let this slide, but this has to go, and everything and so it's it's a, but I'll say like what I, so I was saying earlier I would say I'm a, not the goal oriented treated part but just kind of the practicality of Dylan said I'm a little bit like Dylan at work it's like making fun of making fun of Irv and how rigid he is and everything and then showing the new person it's like oh yeah you get this you get that you know whatever and so kind of like showing the new person kind of around the block a little bit
0: so you're like Dylan a little bit okay now that we're talking about this so Jeff <laughs> which character are you most like
2: oh I'm absolutely a helly Totally. I mean, I'm like, "No, I I'm, I'm going home. This is this is ridiculous." <laughs> I do what I want.
0: Can you guys guess who I would be?
2: Mitchell uh, obviously. No, no, yeah. you know you're Mark, right?
0: No, I'm <laughs> going to say I'm Irving. <laughs> Here is a manual. Follow Every the op-
2: rules. Every office has one.
1: <laughs> and that's why Jeff and I always go out to drinks afterwards. And was oh, like,
0: Oh, you guys went out what to you drinks. Guys are <laughs> doing. I always wonder why they're rushing out of here. And I always forget maybe they have another job yeah. or, or they got to get up early. <laughs> we, we, we got a thing. Uh, yeah. Thanks for we the We say, the say invite, our goodbyes guys. outside
1: and then we kind of see, like, And then we wait till she gets in her car, and then we take off. I'm going to talk to the
0: boss about another manual for you. But, okay, so, you know, we we get to see more of the office dynamics in here, right? We get to see the nuances of the characters. Let's talk about Petey, because now Petey is a former employee who seems like he broke through the Sufferance program, and we're getting to see little bits and pieces of him coming back in. Obviously, Mark is triggered by him, but yet Mark is intrigued by him, too, because we do see – mark going to meet him and bringing him to his house what do you guys think is happening there
1: it's just it's curiosity right it's just curiosity i mean it's like he because the thing for him was that you know we saw this in episode one where there's conflict with him making the decision like people are aware of people that do this this severance thing and so you see, like, you know, he's very pro about, I made this decision, I'm okay with it, but then you bring in this outside thing, and it's like, he's curious, he's like, wait a minute, how, you know, like, I made this conscious decision, but there there's ways to break this, you know, like, this guy that suppo- supposedly, it's, just, it's a curiosity thing, it's just, you just, you, you can't, you know, it's, it's like the apple in the tree, you just gotta, like, grab it and taste it and try it, so...
0: But I feel like it wasn't an easy breakage, right? Because we were seeing Petey kind of go through this process once Mark brings him to his house. And it's very disturbing to watch because you're trying to figure out what's happening in the psyche of Petey. What did you make of that? Or what, what do you think? I mean, any analysis on maybe how he even broke past this? Uh, well, well, I think he's in
2: an interesting position because you know he mentions that there's a sickness that he has as a side effect of whatever mysterious thing he had to do to reintegrate his brain uh and there are clearly devastating after effects to that because uh he had a fundamentally fragmented psyche and the interesting thing to think about is okay so if you enter that situation and then you're divided into the innie and the outy self right you know you start out as one person same person in these different roles but the longer you do it and we don't know how long he was there at this point uh you know your experiences change the person you become and that would be the same for him so if he was there, uh, hopefully not, but 20 years, years—you know that's 20 years of entirely different lives being entirely separate people. And so that's a lot to reconcile once you're reintegrated.
0: Yeah, I'm interested and curious about how he kind of broke through the system because it was really interesting. There's that one scene where he's showing Mark that he's mapped out things, mm. right, of, of where everything is. But then he's got those question marks in that one area because he doesn't understand what's in that area so I, I'm curious to see how that unfolds and what does he know that we don't know yet.
1: You know, and hence, like you know, what like the directing aspect of it. You know, like that mouse trap. You know, like the walls are all the same, so it's like you can get lost. It's it, you know, it's it's almost like a horror movie. Again, like a horror movie like the guy chasing you and you're running down the hallway. But I mean, you don't know if you're like if the right. If you go right, it's, it's like a house of mirrors. So you go right or you're left. You don't. Know, you're going to hit a dead end. And I think that's why, like, he's kind of got it mapped out. But that the question marks is because, like, gosh, everything was just so this way and that way. That's hard for me to determine what was what. There, uh-huh. was, there was no bathroom. You know, with the circle and the triangle and the man and the woman <laughs> had the room, like just to make things distinct, right. like at least from what we saw.
0: Right, right. And, it, it, you know, and, and to add to that, you see Mark having this conversation with him trying to figure out, right? It's raised the curiosity. But here's what I'm also thinking about, too, when it comes to Mark. So you've got the PD aspect happening. What about that date that Mark went on? So now we're seeing all these different elements. He's dealing with Helly at work. He's got this Petey situation, which is creating some type of confusion. Doesn't end up going to work, you know, making an excuse. And then he had that awkward date, which (laughs) was just so random. (laughs) But I think it kind
1: of shows, too, that – you know when you sit down at a date like you sit down with a stranger you know you're trying to open up you're trying to gauge like this or that about you and when we do that our work life or kind of you know like even like when we're at any party like whatever it's like oh what do you do you know and so like he can't really share that with her because he doesn't really know and then the other half of it is is he going to feel judged mm-hmm. because he made that decision and so how does that person Look at him. Of like, well, is this really going to go south, or, or like, do I say that for date two? Right. You no, know, date three. And if then, I can't, if I can weasel it that way.
2: Absolutely. And and then they, they the world establishes that that procedure is very controversial. That it's something that is judged, and he finds that out in person, in front of her eyes, immediately after the date. Uh, so he's dealing with the social stigma attached to something that, like you're saying, he can't even speak to because it's it's an experience that's cut off to him. But then also he's still dealing with grieving. So emotionally,
0: he's in a bad spot. Yeah, he is. He definitely is, both at work and in his personal life. But, um, you know, I, I think what's going to be also interesting to see is his development with the neighbor. So let's talk about Patricia Arquette where she plays the supervisor at work. So and she's, big, yeah. right? And she's kind of very, Sylvie, so very hard. Uh, she's got this very crude personality. It seems like, you know, you just can't break past her, right? Like an ice maiden. But then you see this other side of her where she's so caring and she wants to nurture and, and help him. And so, the, I don't know. The parallel there was very uh, interesting to see the dynamics between them.
2: Yeah, I think it kind of, because uh, I was thinking through that a lot because I find it fascinating. And I... Uh, yeah, there are definitely mysteries uh, to be explored, but I think it kind of speaks also to, to my curiosity about if you're there for a long period of time, you really can become entirely different human beings uh, and your sort of divided self. And, uh, I mean, right now we can assume that she is properly severed like everyone else. Hypothetically, there are, you know, there might, we, we don't know everything about what she's going through experientially.
0: But, but I wonder if she really is. Yeah.
1: I see I don't I don't think I don't think that she is. I, I think, don't think she is. No, because the way that I look at this whole thing is it's an experiment. The whole thing is like just like I said with the mousetrap and everything, the whole thing's mm-hmm. an experiment. And she's the one that has to see like if things are like working properly. And Connecting because up. and we also don't know because Petey broke out. Mm-hmm. We don't know at this stage, we don't know how long she's actually lived next door to him.
2: Right. Yeah. You know, maybe
1: she moved in. Right after, after Petey, like, broke out. She
0: wants to keep her eyes on him. So, Mark, right? well, actually,
1: never mind. I guess, no, but I guess Petey, they, they had just fired Petey. So, like, maybe that's not the case. But I think that.
0: But it's interesting that she's his neighbor, like you said. Because I almost wonder if it's a way of her keeping her eyes on him. I mean, come on. At, right now, he is their token. He's mm-hmm. their prize, right? So, it, I, maybe they want to make sure that they're able to control him. And make sure that this particular character does not leave the mousetrap.
1: You know, and we see it. We see her, like, gazing across, you know, because it's like, well, he called in sick. You know, he called in sick, so she's like, hmm, so is he at home? You know, like a creepy boss would, mm-hmm. you know, just like, person called in sick. It's like, I got my boss showing up to my house and saying, hey, you know, where are you? You know, you're not here today. It's just like, so, like, that that aspect of it, I like, got another, like, really cool directing shot just to see from across, from across from, like, her house to his house.
2: She does always have that knowing look when she's, uh, uh, when when he's in her office and she's speaking to him, she always has that appearance of you know like I'm I'm seeing through you,
0: mm-hmm. I'm it's watching very you, very eerie. Mm-hmm. The surprise element, Bert's entrance.
1: <laughs> you know, well, see well, that, that's what's awesome. <laughs> played of, by yeah, Christopher, Chris, Christopher Walken. I mean, which is terrible. <laughs> like, my my impression, anyways. But <laughs> but it's cool to see like his you know you see his credit in episode one so it's just like oh Christopher Walken's in this cool and then he you know and then like you finally get to see him in the show but he's he's a random character that just Fairy. you know you don't know who you know it's just like what
0: makes a special appearance and then i'm wondering are we going to see more of you or were you just there for this hall moment to admire this photograph exchange a few dialogues what do you think do you think there's we're going to see more of him
2: i, I feel like there's going to be a lot more walken yeah yeah because because he really connected with Irving and Irving needed someone to connect to to grow as a character and have a proper arc. And I don't feel like they would have had such a memorable scene just for it to be one and done.
0: Mm. All right, guys. Something that's really been on my mind is what is Lumen Industries? I mean, I've been trying to watch and figure out, like, what do these people do? What happens at this facility? Are they like a scientific lab? Are they – what kind of a corporation is this? What do you guys think? Any guesses?
2: Uh, My guess, and, you know, of course we don't have enough data, but my current running guess is that they are involved in experimentation to actually control populations, something really deeply nefarious. Because they even do that with their employees on an internal level. Like, to, to have them do meaningless garbage, irrational labor of grouping together numbers by emotion. It doesn't even make sense other than as a conditioning exercise.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like this, like this weird corporation that's there. It's, it's almost like they're like a hidden thing. And then, I, I, was, I was even trying to dissect the Lumen logo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the interesting thing is it looks like Amway. <laughs> it looks a like, and I, you know, like, I, mean, I just want to say if it's just kind of like, a little, just like a little Easter egg just to say, here's some fun. The logo looks like Amway and then like, you know, then Mark's in there like doing all the weird cleaning stuff. So I was like, I wonder if they just kind of did this as like, just like kind of a funny thing. So You heard
2: it here first, folks. Yes. But,
1: no, but somewhere, if you go Google it in some lexicon, Lumen, L-U-M-O-N, some sort of meaning, I was trying to find it and it says like to go along with.
0: Now that's very interesting, Rick Hong.
1: So that's a deep, deep, a deep thing. <laughs> that takes
0: us to a whole other so. level, dissecting the show even on a whole other different level. Wow, that's interesting. Hmm. All right, we're going to have to see, find out what Lumen is all about, who Mr. Egan is. But in the meantime... What do we predict's going to happen in episode three? Because honestly, I can tell you, as I was watching episode two and all these different stories unravel, I was curious to think about what am I going to see next? What's going to unfold for each single one of these characters? Anyone specific that you can think about and what we might see going into episode three?
1: I think it's going to go one way. We're either going to know more, like Jeff, like you said, we're either going to know more about Irv or... It's going to go the other way, and Helly's is going to keep consistent with her character being the naysayer, and she's just going to keep coming in skeptical, losing her, you know, losing her mind or, like, whatever, and being like, I don't want to be here, and there's going, we're going to maybe see, like, more consequences of, like, how do we control this person that doesn't want to be here?
2: Yeah, I would say I, I expect to see more out of Helly, because in the first episode, we right away establish that she's terrified of that place and that experience. And it starts out episode two reinforcing that with her every single time wanting to do anything but stay there as soon as she's in that space. She's she's pressing Milchek, she's pushing the rules, she doesn't care about them one bit. So I think we're going to see a continuation of her pushing things while it kind of pulls Mark along with his seemingly natural... Curiosities,
0: And I'm going to say, I think we're going to see a little bit more of Mark too and how, I don't know, he may, I think he's going to start questioning things. You know, up until now, we were seeing him that he's like this leader and he's just, he's again, just going with the flow, following the rules of what he's been taught or what he knows. But now with Petey in the scene, we're going to see a little bit more of unraveling with Petey to where he got to where he is and maybe Mark having more interaction with him and then starting to slowly maybe questioning mm-hmm. Who am I and where am I and what am I doing? And I don't know how that's going to change the dynamics between him and Heli. I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe they might start conspiring something together. Who knows?
1: And, I mean, and let's be honest with well, the way this episode kind of ends too, it's like we don't really know if Petey's alive. We don't really know, you know, knows if he actually makes it. I mean, maybe it's goodbye. Is he an illusion? PD. Yeah, I like too.
2: Could be. Uh, the, the thing that I also think is interesting too is that supposedly, uh, not only is there an external Audi map of the inside of this mysterious severed floor, but also he said that he left one inside the building. So I think we're going to see this.
0: Yeah, I think a lot more to unfold. Well, this has been so much fun. I think, um, you know, the first two episodes are exciting. they really set something for us to look forward to. They've set the stage. We are going to keep having these conversations and we hope that you keep coming back. We love hearing from all of you. So make sure that you share your feedback. Hey, if you have questions or if you want us to dissect something from the episodes, let us know. We're here to provide that for you. Once again, I'm Rasha Goel. I'm Rakong. I'm Jeff Ewing. And you've been watching Processing Severance, presented to you by the Hollywood Critics Association. Join us next time again for our after show with more scoop on severance.